Welcome to the Amaze Podcast. Amaze creates free educational videos and resources to help families talk openly, honestly, and less awkwardly about sex, health, relationships, and growing up. Our goal is to help you become an askable parent so your kids trust that you're their go-to for honest, non-judgmental information. In today's episode, I chat with the amazing Letitia Barr. Letitia is an educator and award-winning content creator who, during the early years of using technology in the classroom, became part of a federal grant program working on incorporating technology and software into classroom reading and writing instruction. Through her blog, Tech Savvy Mama, Letitia taps into this experience to share technology and educational resources for families. Letitia and I talk about keeping up with social media, balancing screen time, and the ever-popular question, how do I know when my child is ready for a phone? Let's have a listen. I'm so delighted to have Letitia Barr on the broadcast today. Hi, Letitia. Hi, Christine. How are you? It's so nice to chat with you. Letitia, I would love for you to actually kind of explain um, a little bit about your background, specifically, you know, from education to where you are now, uh, because I think that's that's really important to inform the conversation we're going to have today. Yeah, absolutely. So this whole blogging thing really just started out as a hobby, you know, 10 years ago. And my background is of a classroom teacher. I have two master's degrees in education, which is crazy because, you know, like you, you're a neuroscientist and you don't, I mean, there's things from your background that you probably use, but it's not what you do in your day to day. And so I started out as a classroom teacher. My first job teaching was teaching first grade here in the DC area for a really large public school system. And my mom, who was a career teacher, she retired after 30 plus years. She said to me, first grade, that's the hardest, hardest grade to teach. She said, you know, you have to teach all those kids how to read. And I said, well, I really loved my school. I really loved the principal who offered me the job. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, as my kids say now, go big or go home. I took that job teaching first grade. I taught for a number of years. And what I really found is that I loved integrating technology into my classroom. So just at the time that I was teaching, technology really, I mean, think back 10 10 years, 10 plus years of what technology was like. I was teaching on iMacs. Um, There were no smart boards. Software came in boxes. The internet really was just a place that educational things were starting to take off, but not in the way that they are today. So I was finding, you know, really good websites. We did things called WebQuest back in the day where my kids would go on these little internet scavenger hunts and they were, there was information out there, but it was really tricky to find. And software, when you bought it, you weren't ever really sure that it was good or not. But I was part of this federal grant um, in my school and it was designed to integrate technology into reading and writing instruction. And I absolutely love that. So there came a time for me to, you know, professional development and growing my career, um, there came an opportunity for me to work on this federal grant up at um, the central office level. So while I spent many years teaching, most of my career was spent providing professional development to, for teachers on integrating technology into their classroom. So, you know, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. So, yes. So now you are, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you onto this broadcast is because your blog is called Tech Savvy Mama. (laughs) You are deeply immersed in the good, bad, and the ugly of technology. And obviously it is something that so many parents wrestle with. And, you know, we get, have conversations all the time at Amaze about, you know, how we deliver really solid information, you know, and then also like how awful the information can be out there. Like, so anyway, I would be curious, 
I'm, I would love to know, you know, what is one or two of the biggest challenges that you see with parents right now, um, you know, related to technology? What, what's up in the conversation right now? I think the biggest general thing is that there's a lot of stuff out there. We know that in the day to day, we spend our lives like immersed in this social media world. And I think for your average parent, if you're not involved in social media to the extent that we are, I mean, we are like ankle deep in this. It's crazy. Not ankle deep. Actually, we're like, like way up here. Yeah. <laughs> We're not just waiting. We are full on in. Um, but it's not just social media these days. There are so many other things out there that our kids are using, playing. You know, what's out there and trying to stay current is so tricky for parents because we're trying to do so many things. So I think knowing where to go and knowing what information is accurate, what information you can trust is a really big challenge for parents. And then also just trying to stay on top of what it is that's out there and finding resources you can trust is important. So do you have, I mean, obviously your blog is a resource. Are there any others um, that you would recommend like for current information? Yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite go-tos is common sense media, common sense media, you know, they not just review books and movies, but they have apps and they have really awesome articles about parenting that I parenting in a digital world that I think are really thoughtful. And they give you, I like them because they give you a lot of things that you should think through as a parent. And I think that's really important. Um, there's a really good site too. I know that there's some parents out there who are, as, as my son is a sixth grader, he's one of the only ones in his friend group who has a cell phone. And a lot of parents are waiting these days and they're talking to me a lot about how to know your kid is ready, but also um, what to do when you get your kid a first phone and the Smart Talk, which is actually um, a site that the PTA has partnered with. They have a really awesome cell phone contract. So I would highly recommend the Smart Talk. What I love about it is that you as a parent can go on it. It's a conversation starter. So you go on it with your child. You sit down together, you go through the site, you check off the boxes you want to talk about, and it guides you through a really meaningful conversation with your kids. And then at the end, you have a personalized contract that you and your child can sign and you hold on, you know, tack to the refrigerator or the bulletin board or whatever, send to them as a PDF. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> But I think that that's a really good way for parents to start the conversation, but it's not just a one and done. I like to use the smart talk in the beginning, but it's also something that you can continue using as your kids get older and they start using social media and things like that. You know, it's a great first thing to talk about responsibility with cell phone, but then as they get into social media, revisit that, use the smart talk again and see how things have changed and just use it as a, as a way to keep the conversation going. I think that's great. I, I actually did not know about the smart talk. Um, and I'm going to have to search your site for the uh, the how to know your kid is ready for phones. Cause, and, I, and you had, was it on Common Sense Media that you had an article also about phone usage or right. the, the wait until eight thing or something like that? I did. I wrote a piece about the wait until eight because I know a lot of parents are waiting until eight. And I completely understand that. But my article on Common Sense Media why, was about why giving Emily a phone when she was a sixth grader was a really good decision on our part. And in thinking about it in hindsight, those middle school years are so important for our kids and having the opportunity to give her the phone when she was in sixth grade and work through these issues together. You know, certainly there's been issues with friends and there's been all the middle school stuff that goes on and 
and talking about talking about the phone as a tool. And with these things, we've really learned together. But I'm grateful to have had these three years with her to learn learn about the phone and have these discussions. I feel like if we had waited till eight, then maybe it would have been a little bit too late. She would have been left out of social circles, and she wouldn't feel as solid as she does now. So that my piece um, about how to know your kid is ready was kind of a reaction to that because people then read that Common Sense Media article and they were like, well, then how do I know if my kid is ready? There's no mm-hmm. don't seem ready. But, you know, in that piece, I, I think it's called Four Ways to Know Your Kid's Ready for a Cell Phone. The big takeaway from that is that you never completely know your child is 100% ready. I mean, at some point, you just need to take the leap and trust in them and know that you're going to work through these things together. I think that's a great point. I think that I mean, is directly connected to what you were saying about the smart talk about how, you know, it's something, it's not one and done. It's a conversation you need to revisit. And that is, of course, very relevant to sex ed because it's never just one conversation. It's something that you got to do over and over again. Um, I have one more question on this, on this trajectory. And that is, I'm curious about um, if you have any tips or, or tools or resources or anything for, like I hear from so many parents who you know, we've been talking about, okay, we're on the precipice of this decision. Now what? But I hear from so many parents who are like struggling with my kid is, I can't get them off their screen. What do I do? So what would you say to a parent who's coming to you and saying, this is a fight all the time. I'm so sick of it. I want to throw the phone in the toilet, but I also really pay a lot for the phone. How do you, how do you real help, you know, families reel it back in? Balance is tough, right? I mean, we know that in our day-to-day lives. I think, first of all, parents need to model the behavior that's expected Mm -hmm. from their kids. I think that's so important. We can't be sneaking our, we can't be sneaking glances at our phone at the dinner table if we don't um, want our kids to be doing the same thing. I think we need to be really realistic and honest with ourselves about our own behaviors and model what we want from our kids and be really conscious about it. And it's tricky because we know the push and pull of work, you know, with email and text messages, people real and phones, people really have the ability to get in touch with us all the time. And as a parent, you just need to carve out that time, that precious family time and know and have those times that you really just unplug. So I think in terms of kids who want to be connected all the time, one of my biggest pieces of pieces of advice is find things that they love to do that gets them away from the screens. You know, people think that we are, we have so many gaming consoles in our house. Our kids have phones, you know, we um, have, you know, a lot of technology, but at the same time, I think because it's always around, my kids are kind of like, like, you know, my son will commonly say like, Oh, I'm going to, I don't have any homework. Can I go out and ride my bike with friends? So when you find things that they really love and nurture those, they are going to want to be away from their phones and not constantly on them. But you know, as a parent, it does give me peace of mind when Thomas is out biking with friends, and I know where he is, thanks to apps like Life 360. So there is that I mean, he's not always looking at his phone, and I don't have to text him. But there are really good tools that you can use as a parent to, you know, provide you with peace of mind and use the phone as a communication tool to ensure that they're really unplugging and having some fun on their own. I agree with you. I even find, you know, if I'm going to default to you know, the kids want to watch TV or something. If we just go out and do something, you know, it's 
it's very effective. Right. And I mean, I think there are, there are, there are different kinds of screen time, right? There's the passive screen time and then there's the active screen time. So, you know, by all means, use those screens to inspire learning, but then use them to get away from, you know, use them to inspire learning and then, you know, for off screen learning as well. So there is, there is that. And parents just need to know the difference. Like what are your kids really doing on their phone? Like, are they watching, you know, ridiculous cat videos on YouTube or are they looking something up to figure out how to build something, which is something that Thomas does. So I'm always like, okay, what are you doing on there? <laughs> no, but there is a big difference about how you use screens and we need to be conscious of, the, of that as well. I want to pivot now uh, because Amazed Parents, obviously it's like the intersection of your parenting life and, and technology and the conversation we're having. And then they are just awesome with the sex ed thing. So I wanted to just pivot and ask you um, if you have any interesting story an interesting story to share or a learning experience it can be related to technology or not but um, I'm just curious to kind of bring it to like the parenting real everyday life zone yeah I think you know both with both kids in middle school or Emily just having finished middle school there have been a lot of conversations about health kids in our school district are required to take a quarter of health and whenever it comes up it's like oh health and in health I know why it's important but I think that the way that the health topics are presented you know there need there needs to be some better ways that we're grabbing our kids attention and that's what I love about Amaze. Amaze has such great content that I think is so relevant. Parents think that kids are going to learn everything they need to know from health class and then it's over and done with when the reality is like I, I would rather have these conversations with my kids first, lay the groundwork, have them go to school, endure the quarter of health and then come back to me and revisit or you know at least I know where I can send them. So it's it's been funny to me to watch this journey um, about health. And, you know, I think back to the required fifth grade parent meeting that we had in elementary school when this was just starting and the kids had a couple weeks of health curriculum. And I went when Emily was um, in fifth grade just to kind of know, like, oh my gosh, have I fully prepared her? Does she have enough background information? And I got there and parents were really expecting that the school was going to teach them everything they needed to know and more when really it was just, you know, it all done in a very age appropriate way, of course. But um, I, you know, I go back to the fact that it's so important to have the revisit these conversations that we have with our kids, you know, fifth grade laid the groundwork, it was about puberty, and your body changing and basic hygiene, right. And then in, in subsequent years, you get into the more, more difficult topics that maybe are hard to talk about as parents. But as long as you know where to go and to find those good resources that make you feel comfortable, those are really important to share with your kids because they have questions too that they might not feel comfortable asking. Of course, of course. You know, it's interesting. I'm think I'm sitting here thinking, wow, you guys had a meeting? Like we didn't have <laughs> required. I mean, the school is obligated to hold the meeting for the parents to kind of give you the lay of the land and to lay out the curriculum. And there were parents there who were like, wait a minute, you're not going to teach my kid a about sexual intercourse in fifth grade. And then there were others who were like, wait a minute, that's too much. So you had people on all ends, of all, you know, on both ends of the spectrum and, you know, really wondering why the teachers weren't doing more. But I think I wrote a post about that too, about, you know, parents, you're not done yet and why this is, you know, you're really just getting started. It's not the school's responsibility. So. Yeah. Well, that's, it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, my poor 13 year old, actually both my kids, I'm like, Hey, you guys want to talk about, you know, <laughs> like I'm so into it. So, um, you know, 
that happens. But um, I, and if if it's not on your radar already, that is totally my bad. But one of the things that I actually love that Amaze has launched is this parent playlist. And it's explicitly for kids who are aged four to nine, because the thing is, kids are asking these question, questions. Everybody, everybody has a kind of like deer in the headlight moment about the whole like, you know, where do babies come from? And one of the things I've really learned, um, you know, just in looking, working through this material and looking at it myself is that it's, we parents have so much baggage like so when kids ask a question like that especially you know where do babies come from I think our brains immediately go to oh my god do we have to talk to them about sex and intimacy and oh I'm freaking out where really they just want to know like the mechanical like okay where did this come from and like really like literally where do they come from? Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of this journey for parents is unpacking or separating, you know, your own issues, whatever struggles you had with it, whatever awkwardness you had with your own parents or guardians and, and just keeping focused on like the short conversation. I think it's really challenging for people. It is. And I think when our kids ask those questions that make us recoil, right? I think the next question is, it, it's not maybe to address their question, it's to ask them another question to figure out where they're coming from, right? So take some time to listen because so many times it is just that innocent curiosity that they have that they just want to know. But you're right. I think that what Amaze has done by launching the playlist is so great because talking about these issues um, in an age-appropriate way from the time that kids are very young, it gets them to the point where they're in middle school and these issues get bigger. You know, it just builds on itself. And, you know, that's one thing I know from my work with responsibility.org is that you, know, you need to start these conversations early. They need to happen repeatedly, not just about alcohol, not just about sex, but, you know, about so, but about technology and all the things going on in our everyday lives. Like, you know, it's not a one and done. Revisit the conversation as our kids get older because it changes. Yes. Well, so, and I have a question for you. Um, do you have, I find that most of my conversations um, with my 13 year old happen in the car. And I have found that the media is, is a real, um, ends up being a real source and a catalyst for conversation. So I'm curious if you're also finding that with your kids, like where, what is the, what are the key catalysts? Do they come to you? Do they see something in a headline and they want to talk about it? They definitely learn about things through social media. I know that there have been a couple instances in our area where things have spread like wildfire on Snapchat and Instagram. Mm. So really behind the scenes. Our kids know a lot and they're sharing a lot. And it's it's not bad stuff that they're sharing. Um, it can be really positive at times as well. And it's, I think, creating awareness. It's creating kids who are conscious and caring. Um, I think so many times the way social media is portrayed around teens is negative. And that's not the case at all. I mean, I think that there is that, but I think that there's a really positive side to it as well. And, you know, it's, it's good to have, it's good for kids to be aware. It's good for them to share information, but it's also really important that we stay connected to them and we talk to them as well. Um, another really good resource that helps parents do that is a, an app called Bark. And I've been working with them to review their app just in the last couple of weeks. And Bark is really amazing. You set it up as a parent, you install the app on your kid's phones. Um, it monitors for all kinds of things. Um, it will pull up, keywords about it'll it pull ups it, it pulls up and notifies you if there are um 
if your kids are talking about things like depression and suicide, really like those heavy topics. Like I know I've gotten a bunch of alerts because of alcohol, because of my work with responsibility.org when I've connected it to my own channels. But you know, all these topics that our parent that we want to know about, and we want to know what our kids are talking about, it doesn't dive into necessarily um, the nitty gritty, but it gives you a really good overview and a sense of what topics your kids are talking about with their friends. So you can, you know, go to them and be like, Hey, you know, any concerns about it'll just it helps facilitate a conversation by knowing what's out there. So I just wanted to know if you have any closing thoughts. I mean, you've provided so much, so many good pieces of information, but anything we've missed related to technology, parenting, sex ed, anything you want to sh- want to share about? No, I mean, I think I just reiterate that it's not a one and done conversation as our kids grow up and they change. They have their questions, their questions change, who they are changes. So just make sure you're checking in with them and revisiting the conversation because it is different as they get older. And that's definitely one thing I found with my two. So thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and your just general wonderful spirit today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To find more free educational resources from Amaze, including videos, book recommendations, conversational scripts, and more, visit amaze.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Amaze Parents, and on Twitter at AmazeOrg. And we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.